The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, an agency uh, based out of California, but providing services to individuals with autism and other developmental disabilities across the country. Um, I'm a board-certified behavior analyst, or BCBA, and actually just got to uh, tell the, the beginnings of my career again to, uh, to my brand-new uh, physician this morning, uh, but I've been working across the last 12 years with um, kids, adults, all, all different age groups, providing ABA services uh, on the East Coast, on the West Coast, and calling or speaking today from, uh, from Southern California in the midst of our amazing heat wave. Um, fortunately, got the AC cranking and, uh, and, and doing okay at the moment. Um, really excited uh, about today, today's show, uh, must admit, probably my, my number one excitement is that Fourth of July is around the right around the corner, and the you know the celebration of just our our history, which you guys know, I'm a, I'm a huge U.S. history nerd. This is actually what I was studying in in college before learning anything about autism or ABA or any of these things. Um, so it's just kind of a fun you know, celebration for me and enjoying these different things. Um, but it's a big day about friends and family to me. Uh, every 4th of July for as long as I can remember, I have spent it surrounded by friends and family. Um, tomorrow night, we're going to go to a fireworks show and I'm going to be with my wife, my brother and sister-in-law, my nieces and nephews, my cousins, aunts and uncles, you name it, everyone out here, we're all going to get together and, uh, and go to this show and have a little picnic, which is amazing. And then spend, uh, the fourth itself with friends. And as I've been all amped up and excited for the fourth, uh, I, I've reflected on some of my you know, my favorite Fourth of July's and and one that really comes to mind is is actually the the first Fourth of July, or I guess the only Fourth of July since I've known my wife that I haven't spent with her. Um we've we've known each other for twelve years and, and we've spent eleven of those twelve Fourth of July's together. And the the one exception is when I was still back east and I was uh working in uh the group home that I, I've told you guys so much about and, and have had so many great experiences with. Um, and, and this was another one of those. Uh, I oddly enough, despite a group home, we, staff are in and out of there every single day. I worked Christmas. I worked Memorial Day. I worked Labor Day. I mean, you name the holidays. I worked them. 
coincidentally enough, the one holiday I actually had off was 4th of July. It was the one day where I actually had to myself. Um, so I worked really closely that summer and that year with a, a young man. He was about 17, 18 years old. And prior to being in the group home, he was actually in foster care. And then got placed in this group home. So we didn't really have friends and family and, and anyone uh, that would come and visit him um, beyond um, a scarce visit here and there from, from, from some people. And um, I don't know. I just thought it would be fun and would be really cool. Him and I really got along well. We had a great relationship together uh, of trust and respect um, as I, I worked and supported him throughout his his academics, his home living, and even his vocational training that I thought it would be fun to do a 4th of July and take him for a little barbecue. So I set all this up with, with the house and with everyone, and he came out to, uh, to my place, and we had a little barbecue, and he loved hot dogs. Hot dogs was his, one of his three favorite things, and the second of the three was, was soda. So I had a big tray of grilled hot dogs and sodas, and you know, we didn't do anything overly exciting, you know, based on the standards of like big firework shows and, and big, huge barbecues. He just kind of hung out with me and a couple of my roommates. And we just we just had like a low key afternoon grilling up dogs. And, um, you know, his, his language skills weren't the, weren't amazing. They were good. He could let you know exactly what he wanted. But uh, beyond letting you know kind of what he wanted or what he needed he he wasn't as as fluent but i could just see his face he was sitting on my couch just the biggest grin a big cup of coke in one hand a big hot dog in the other with this huge smile um just kind of rocking a little bit as as he often did and it was just i don't know i i could tell without him telling me that uh it was a special day for him. It was something fun. It was, it was something he really enjoyed. And, um, you know, everyone I work with told me even later that day that he, uh, his energy level was different. The rest of the afternoon, he was just like high energy, fully charged. Now, granted that may have been all the caffeine I gave him with, with his, with his Coke, but he, um, but he, I don't know. He just, he told me in his own way that, that, he enjoyed it and uh, was happy that I was able to do this for him. And I, and I know I was able to tell him that it was uh, a special day for me too. So just nice to kind of remember these things and, and mix in um, the other side of, of the fourth. Uh, and it's a memory that, that means a lot to me. And it is really um, something that I feel like really, I don't know, grounds me and keeps, keeps things in perspective for me um, because it just it reminds me of where I started and uh, it reminds me of what so many of our kids uh, have but also what so many of our kids don't have. And you know, being what I do, sometimes I feel like I focus on the parts of what people don't have and, and that's, that's sad but it's, it's nice to have this memory to, to kind of lift me up too. So I just wanted to share that story just because it means so much to me. Um, anyway, uh, going to the show and, and friends and family is kind of the, the theme of our show today. Um, really looking at the way friends and family can support us, the way that our friends and families can help us support 
um, individuals with autism, particularly aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, the extended family, how it can come together and help parents and, and, and help our kids. Um, so today I'm joined by, um, by Ann Palmer. And Ann is a parent of an adult son with autism, as well as an author, a presenter, and a professional who has worked in the field of autism for the last 20 years. She was the parent support coordinator for Division Teach, the director of advocacy and chapters for the Autism Society of North Carolina, and is currently a faculty member at Carolina Institute for Developmental Disabilities at the University of North Carolina. Her books include Realizing the College Dream, with Autism or Asperger's Syndrome, A Parent's Guide to Student Success, written about her son's college experience. She's also the author of Parenting Across the Autism Spectrum, Unexpected Lessons We Have Learned, which won the Autism Society of America's 2007 Literacy Work of the Year. And her most recent book, A Friend's and Relative's Guide to Supporting the Family with Autism, How Can I Help?, um, and, and it's that book that I'm most excited to talk about and, uh, and give kind of a, another perspective on this ongoing dialogue that we've been having for this last year. Um, so with that introduction, Anne, welcome to the show. Good morning, Rob. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on the show. Oh, it's so great to have you. Um, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm really curious about this most recent book that, um, that you've written because it, it's some questions and topics that I think a lot of people are asking, but we don't, or at least I don't always know um, all of the strategies for that, or, or I guess generating that greater family support. So I guess to kind of give us the, the beginnings, um, what prompted you to write this most recent book? Well, when, when my son was diagnosed with autism, close to 28 years ago, I attended a mother's support group, and we would have these monthly meetings with a topic at each meeting, and one of the very popular topics, recurring topic over the years was the extended family. And I remember very well going to that first meeting, and I had had very positive experiences of family support following my son's diagnosis. We lived near my family and near my husband's family, and they had been very supportive. And I shared some of that at the mother's group and then listened to the other moms around that table, and I was shocked at some of the stories that I was hearing. Um, I guess I thought everybody had positive experiences, so it really uh, surprised me when they told stories of family members who refused to believe the diagnosis or who blamed the parents on the child's behaviors uh, mm -hmm. rather than the diagnosis or family members who totally... Um, rejected the child and the family. And, you know, I remember thinking, this is so hard dealing with this. Uh, for me as a parent, I could only imagine how hard it would be if my family members were making things more stressful rather than yeah. helping to alleviate that stress. So that's why I wanted to, to bring this topic to people's attention because it really is happening in a lot of families. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, as I said, I feel like it's one that I feel like I only even understand like the, the, the probably top level of it. Um, but it's, it's like you said, it's in so many different families. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure we have plenty of time to get into our next couple questions and we've got a commercial break 
that we're up against. So let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come and talk more with Anne about uh, creating a good supportive relationship for the entire family, uh, not just primary, but the extended as well. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I am joined today by Ann Palmer, and we're talking about creating a positive and supportive relationship with with the extended family uh, to support our kids. Um, You know, Ann, I I was curious. You know, we we talked about – you mentioned a little bit about your experiences and then hearing um, in that support group – some other parents having kind of the polar opposite and, you know, thinking about kind of my own like personal uh, history and thinking about some of my family members. I know that, you know, when there was a situation where maybe um, someone in my family had um, maybe there was a, a, a learning disability or maybe there was um, something off or something that needed to be addressed Everyone in the family had an opinion. Grandma had an opinion. Mom had an opinion. Aunt had an opinion. And there were times it would really um, strain the, the relationships. And I have to assume, you know, if my family trying to deal with autism would be similar and, and probably more intense, um, is that, you know, is there research to show trends of one, that type of scenario being more likely than maybe the positive support that you saw? Well, that's a a good question. I know that in my own experience working with hundreds of families, I hear this a lot. It's not a rare thing that happens when a, when family members are not um, 
developing this really supportive relationship with the parents mm-hmm. raising the child. And when I did research for the book, of course, I found lots of studies that showed how important support is for those family members living with somebody with ASD. Yeah. Um, and that's why this, this family, extended family support and friend support is so important. But one of the studies I found was done by Autism Speaks in, in mm-hmm. 2009, I believe. And they surveyed parents of kids with ASD and found that 43% of the dads and 50% of the moms reported that the diagnosis of autism had a negative impact on their relationships with their extended family members. And I thought that number was really high, 50%. I mean, it's definitely a fairly common thing. And they also asked these parents about their relationships with their friends, their social networks and their friendships, and the numbers were even higher. 60% 60% of the moms and 60% of the dads said that the diagnosis of autism had a negative impact on their friendships as well. So um, the research is showing us that this is definitely something that is an issue in a lot of families and, and needs to be talked about and addressed, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. So I mean, what are, from, from doing this research and having these conversations, like what are the some of the common and key barriers to creating these positive relationships? Well, I think one barrier, which is just the nature of autism spectrum disorders and the fact that it is a, um, it's confusing, often difficult to understand diagnosis, um, and that the fact that no two individuals on the autism spectrum are the same makes it difficult, I think, for others to understand and to recognize. Um, And also because many of the kids with autism have very typical and normal characteristics like other children, so it's easy for our family members and our friends who don't spend a lot of time with the child Mm -hmm. to not see the autism. So there's that barrier. And then there's just the barrier of the fact that families are complicated, as you know, I'm sure, um, you know, in a perfect world, our family is our safe place. That's where we can go, where we know they'll understand us, they'll accept us, they'll forgive us, they'll love us unconditionally in a perfect world. But unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. And families can be very complicated with misunderstandings, personality conflicts, Distance apart and time apart, all of those things, I think, make our um, this uh, you know an obstacle to developing these close family relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the the third barrier I think about a lot is really due to parents and how we react when our children are diagnosed. And I think sometimes we refuse to talk about it. We don't want to. Uh, share things that are hard in our lives with our family members and our friends, and we're not honest about, you know, when we're struggling. And then our family and friends can't support us because they don't know, you know, how hard Mm -hmm. it is what we're going through. And we oftentimes don't accept help when it's offered or don't Mm -hmm. ask for help when we need it. So those are some of the barriers that I found in, in developing these close relationships. You know, when, when I think about, when I, when I think about some of this, I, I wonder is, you know, I, I think about like the types of supports and I think about the type of situation that a parent would be in. And, you know, there's like the, and maybe I'm limiting, but like the first few come to mind are like emotional support and mm-hmm. then just like 
I guess, um, more of like a physical support, i.e. like, let me help you pick up the kids today or let me babysit the kids today or let me provide that type of, you know, like I guess maybe hands-on supports the, med- the better the better way. Is, is that the right type of way to look at it or is there more to this puzzle that I'm maybe not thinking about? No, I think that's, that sounds exactly right. It's, you know, it's a mixture. You want the emotional support. You want acceptance. You want your family members and your friends to trust you, to believe in you, to mm-hmm. um, to support your decisions you're making for your child, to just be there, you know, if they're needed. And then also, it of course, it's extremely helpful when you have fa- family or friends who are offering to babysit your kids to give you a break or bringing meals over or running errands for you. You know, it really is a mixture, but I think family members who are far away from their loved one raising a child with autism can be just as supportive, you know, by reminding them that they're there, that listening, um, you know, letting them know they're thinking about them, supporting their decisions. Those kind of things are equally as important, I think, as, as the physical kinds of support. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the we've heard from so many parents on on the show even saying the emotional stress that they're under. Um, I mean, we had one mom who was saying that she felt like no one around her could really talk about her child that the way she needed them to, and that was there was people who could she could talk to, but not in the way that was necessary, and that made her feel more isolated. And I think that, that's a good point. That's I, you know, and I think sometimes parents don't want to share things that are hard um, going on in our lives because we want you to love our child too. You know, mm-hmm. so some of the difficult things that we go through in our day to day lives with our kids with autism, we don't want to share them with the grandparent or the cousin or the whoever because we want them to love our child. We won't, don't want them to know the things that are not as pretty you know, mm-hmm. about our lives. And so that keeps us from, from being as open uh, to people that we care about um, dealing with what we're dealing with every day. Yeah. I, I'm curious if, if there is any, you know, if there's a trend here or, or, or if I may be reading too much into it. But, you know, if, if we look at it from this point of view of emotional supports and hands-on supports, is there... You know, I, I can think like I go back to my family again. My family, you know, was very hands-on supportive, but maybe there's a lot of bickering behind the scenes about like what the right approach is. No, you should do this. Oh, you're not doing enough of this. You need to do more of that. And as much as there was listening, there would be like arguing behind the scenes about like what is going on from more of an emotional, intellectual perspective. Um, my my assumption is that that can be more damaging or, or and create bigger rifts than maybe someone not providing the hands-on support. Um, but is there – have you seen any trends and things like that? Well, I haven't seen trends per se, but I, I, I know what you're talking about, and I think there's a fine line that yeah. family members and friends have to walk here. You know, yes, we want – I think it it helps for the family members and friends to be involved in our lives so that they understand the child better, they understand Mm -hmm. what the parents are dealing with, 
and can be supportive because they understand. But then you don't want a family member who is cutting out every article in the newspaper and sending it to you that has to do about every therapy and treatment and diet and things that come out. That begins after a while to feel like they they don't agree with what you're doing and they're trying to tell you how to do it better. So Hmm. it's, you know, it's a balancing act. um, But I think it's, you know, and the more involved you are, the more you learn about autism spectrum disorders, then you can can sort of balance the amount of support you can offer to that family. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you know kind of what the day-to-day life is like, therefore you can understand what might be helpful and what might not be helpful. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I think it happens a lot in, in this um, community uh, that too much support can, can also be a negative thing. I, I think it's really great. I mean, I didn't think about that, but I think that's a really great point is, you know, someone may feel like they're being helpful by, up. Oh, I found this news article. Let me clip it out and send it to you. Up, oh, here's a cool website. Let me email it to you. But that probably can come across, across quite judgmental of mm-hmm. if I'm a parent, are you saying you feel like I'm not doing the right thing? versus maybe asking more of like a support of how's your day going how's how's johnny doing and maybe maybe having more of a conversation about just how is that parent doing and just being a listener right well i think if they show that they trust you and that you know that's not a clear i don't have a perfect definition of you know sure. how to do that i remember a, a friend gave me a quote for the book her mother told her this is a friend raising a child with autism and her yeah. mother the grandmother said i don't understand what you're dealing with um or what you're going through but i trust you and i'm here if you need me now that one quote to me it would be the perfect answer the perfect yeah. thing for anyone to say and it's like saying do you want to talk about what choices you're making for your child and what treatments or whatever i'm here to talk to you about it and to learn more but i'm not going to tell you what to do and i'm i'm going to be i'm here and i'm you know i trust you and you know and then once that trust is developed then hopefully the parents will contact that person and say i'm looking at these this diet, but I'm, you know, I'm concerned about this, or I, what do you think? Um, so I think once you develop that trust, those kind of conversations about treatment and, and choices and, and things that you're doing in your day-to-day life will come naturally, I think, and it won't feel like somebody's intruding or being too judgmental. You'll want their advice and want them to work on it with you. Yeah. No, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, you, you definitely put a, a seed in my head of, of what, what question I want to ask you next, which I wasn't planning on, but I know it's going to take a little bit more time than one minute for you to answer. So let's go to our commercial break, maybe 30 seconds early. So let's take this break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the extended family um, and maybe having some of these conversations as a parent. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Better. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm Rob Haupt, your host, and I'm joined today by Ann Palmer. And we're talking about um, really creating an inclusive and supportive extended family um, to help support everyone in the family as we help raise our children with autism. Um, And you you said this quote right before the break that a grandmother was saying to her child, and um, I immediately thought about grandparents, and I immediately – thought about you know my grandparents and as I've mentioned on the show you know my grandfather passed away before coming into uh or before I started this career and and I always um, wonder what it would be like for him, for me to explain to him what I do um because I know he as a Hungarian immigrant would would definitely struggle trying to understand this and it's very much a generational thing of just a completely different understanding um are, how does a parent do that? I, I have to assume that that's kind of an ongoing struggle of how do I explain to this completely different generation that has a completely different level of awareness because of, of how they grew up and, and raised their own children uh, about what autism is and what it is that we need to do to support this child. Like how do you, what have you been seeing from, from those types of situations? Well, I'm glad you brought grandparents up because I I do think um, that's an important point in this discussion. And and I spent quite a bit of a chapter in the book talking about grandparents because grandparents are often the first to even suspect that a child has autism. We hear that quite a bit in diagnosing it. And Hmm. in one of the studies I found, it said 36% of grandparents reported that they take care of their grandchild with autism at least one day a week. So grandparents play a big role. Um, The the one thing that I I like to remind parents of when we talk about grandparents is that grandparents are often going through a triple grieving process. So they may be, um, they will be grieving for their grandchild. 
who may have a life more challenging than they would ever want their grandchild to have. They're grieving for their adult child who is parenting a child with autism who is going through more difficult things in their life than you would ever want your child to go through. And then they're grieving for themselves as well because they're... um, their picture of being a grandparent with this grandchild may look different uh, mm. once the child is, is diagnosed. So I, I do think it's important to, to keep that in mind as we try to explain the, the diagnosis to the grandparents. And also keep in mind that in that generation, um, talking about developmental disabilities was was usually not done. You know, that kind of thing was kept very private in the family. Yeah. And, you know, the, I know when I was going through school, the, the students with disabilities were in another part of the school. They were totally separated from, from us, those of us without developmental disabilities. So, you know, you just didn't, you kept that kind of information private. So, and it was something to be embarrassed about. So grandparents, I think, are worried about that piece probably more so than the parents or other generations might be thinking. They're thinking about what, how are other people going to judge this child or how bad is this child's life going to be because they're different. And I think, you know, those are just, it's important to keep that in mind as you try to support the grandparents through this because it really is a reciprocal, you know, they're providing us with support as parents, but we need to support them as well because this is difficult for them to deal with too. You know, it's so funny you, you said that final sentence because I was kind of, the thought I was having as, as we were, as you were speaking, it's, you know, it sounds like th- there's a lot of b- part of this that really falls every bit. You know, we're talking about the support extended family can provide the uh, parents, but it sounds like parents have to provide a lot of support to their extended family to foster all of this as well. I, exactly. It, you know, and I, I focus in the book on, on what parents can do as well as well as what family members and friends can do because I agree it's it's definitely the balls in each of our courts here and if the the family has to be more open the family has to be more um, understanding of what our family members our loved ones are going through as well um, mm-hmm. the, the parents have to be more um, willing to be flexible, as well as the grandparents and the family members. So it definitely is reciprocal, and, you know, it's definitely the problems when they come up are not all caused by the family members or the friends not accepting things. It can easily be caused by the parents just not being willing to accept help to share information, to be open with their family and involve them in their lives. Uh, I see problems in both of those situations. Yeah. You know, from the standpoint of maybe supporting the extended family, you know, I I, I go to myself, you know, I'm a professional in the field. Is that something where a parent bringing in a professional maybe to speak to um, grandparents or you know, brothers and sisters and things like that. Is that something that is helpful? um, Or are there other like kind of proactive things that can be done to kind of help set the, set the table or maybe set the foundation? I I think that's a great idea. And I actually mentioned that in the book that if the parents are not really comfortable 
just talking about the diagnosis because, you know, that's one of the challenges is telling our family members that our child's been diagnosed when we don't really understand the diagnosis ourselves at the beginning and suddenly we're having to explain it to all of our family members and friends. Having a, a professional step in in a, in a comfortable environment for those family members to sort of, you know, describe what, you know, how the diagnosis was made, what are the characteristics, the prognosis, the things that are out there that can help our kids have a successful life. Um, I think that's a great idea to, to provide that information to grandparents through professional routes. And, and I often would have um, my mother or my husband's mother come with me to observe my son's therapy, mm-hmm. uh, occupational therapy and speech therapy. They'd sit with me behind that two-way mirror and, and watch my son learn skills. And I think that helped them understand him better and mm-hmm. helped them feel more a part of our lives and be more supportive. And I know it helped me to have them sitting there next to me. So yeah. I agree that the professionals can definitely play a role in, in helping bridge these um, relationships. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, and I guess it's got me, you know, you, again, you kind of, it, I, I like the way my, you know, I, you, so much of what you're saying really like makes sense and ties together. It's also, you know, if a grandparent is maybe supporting a, um, I think you said most, a, a large percentage of grandparents are maybe watching their grandchildren one day a week, you know, if they're watching them one day a week, how they probably should know what's going on with the therapy because maybe there's something they can do to support the therapy, um, not just the the parents from an emotional standpoint, but maybe from like a therapeutic practice standpoint. I I agree totally. And also by learning more about how to work with the child and communicate with the child and interact with the child, the grandparents or the family members are um, are able to feel more comfortable with them and be more inclusive with them and be able to have more positive relationship with the child because they understand the best way to approach them and the best way to bring, draw them in, Um, which I hear lots of concerns by grandparents and disappointment by grandparents who want to be so involved, but the child won't talk to them or the child, you know, tunes them out or scared of them or whatever. And they give anything just to know the strategies to help, you know, that child interact with them better. So I I agree, you know, that knowledge helps them be more comfortable with the child and makes a better relationship between the grandparent and the child. Yeah. You know, again, to kind of flip it to the other half of things, we, you know, these are, these are kind of good foundational tips to to help a parent maybe support the extended family, but are there similar type of strategies? Are there similar types of things that an extended family member can think about? Okay, I'm the the uncle of a a child on the spectrum. These are some things I can do proactively to help support, um, you know, my my brother or sister and their child. I think, you know, if a, if a family member wants to do that, it is perfectly fine to actually ask the parents, how can I um, learn more about, you know, either ask them to tell you more about the child, what's going on in their therapies, you know, to educate you through their own experiences with their child by telling you, 
or asking them, is there something I can read, or is there a, a conference I can go to, is there, you know, I want to learn more so I can be more interactive with my nephew or my niece. Um, so I think, first of all, it's okay to be open with the parents to tell them, you know, I don't understand and I don't know what to do. I think we, family members and friends, are so worried about saying we don't know what to do that right. we end up not doing anything. And and that's, you know, a parent will be thrilled if a family member says to them, I really don't know how to interact with your son, and I need strategies. I need you to tell me what he will, you know, interact with best, how I can be more involved and what I can do. And yeah. I, I think that's the first step is just being open with, I need more information. I want to learn more. And, and parents will take that as a wonderful way of supporting you, um, I think, so. Um, I don't know if I answered that question or no, not. No, you did. I mean, I, I, I think okay. your your point is, I guess, listening to you, and I think, again, about myself, it's like the scariest thing sometimes is just asking. It's like mm-hmm. it, it, I go into this internal debate of should I ask? Should I not say anything? Should I wait for them to bring it up? Am I overstepping boundaries? But just kind of asking, I want to be involved. How can I help? Sounds like one of the best things the extended family can do. Right. And like you were talking about the 4th of July coming up, and if you think about um, holiday, um, Thanksgiving, Christmas holidays and gatherings, what Mm -hmm. a family member could do in that situation is be open with the parents and say, you know, I want you guys to feel to be included in our family gathering in the way that makes the most sense for you. What would what would you need in our home for you to come and bring your child and be involved and have a a positive experience? What can I do? And just putting that out there, the parents may say, well, we're going to have to come late and leave early. You don't mind, do you? And the family member says, whatever you need, you know, or there needs to be a room set aside in the house that can be kind of a quiet place in case Eric gets too stressed and needs to have some downtime is there a video can i bring a video that you could put in so that so he can watch it if he gets stressed or you know those kind of things there are small little strategies that a family can do that can make that those parents and the child feel more included and and be able to be more and participate more in that family event so just asking what what do you need for it to be a positive experience for him. What kind of food does he eat? Does he like? What kind of toys? What can we? How can we set this up to, for him to be successful? And I'm I'm assuming you know as an extended family member, you know the first time is probably the hardest, but every time for there gets a little bit easier, and you start to anticipate your grandson, nephews, um, you know, cousin, whomever's needs, and it becomes just more of a routine versus this kind of all this effort to like prep for one day, it just becomes natural. It becomes part of this person's life. Right. It's part of the acceptance of how we accept everybody in our family that's different than us. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I think my my son, um, I remember telling my son once that we had a family um, uh, reunion coming up and that he would need to go with us to that. And it was funny because he said, 
well, you know I have autism and don't like being around large groups of people. Do I have to go? Which was kind of funny that he was using yeah. his autism to get out of it. But then I said, no, you need to go. You can bring a book. And the family, the family now is, you know, they go up and talk to him, but they realize he's probably not going to carry on a lot of conversation, and he's going to like reading this book um, during the event, and they're fine with that. And, yeah. you know, he won't eat anything green. Um, you know, those are the kind of things that over time the family just knows that about him, and they accept it, and they are very happy when he's there, even though he's not necessarily doing everything that everybody else is. So sure. I agree. It's time, over time, it gets easier, and the first time is yeah. probably the hardest when all this is so new. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got another commercial break we need to take, so let's take this final commercial break, and we'll be right back. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to more info at autismtherapies.com. That's more info at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the final segment of Autism Spectrum Radio. We're joined today by Ann Palmer. Um, and we've been talking about the extended family and, and creating um, supports and how it goes both ways. And, and you know, on the show, we've talked a lot about um, different communities, uh, different cultures, uh, being here in LA, it's you know to me it's one of the most eclectic, if not the most eclectic place I've ever lived. Um, it, is all of this approach, strategy, um, relationship building we've talked about, you know, how much changes culturally, or or does it change dramatically culturally, um, and is it more about just people connecting? Well, I think it it affects. All, this can affect all cultures, and maybe within certain cultures, 
it may be more of an issue um, where in a particular culture maybe they are less likely to be open with other people about what's going on internally in your family. I know mm-hmm. certain cultures are are more open to sharing this information and asking for help than other cultures might be. But in the res- in, in respect to um, understanding, accepting, showing support, I think it goes across cultures. Um, probably more difficult for people who are, say, living in the United States whose primary family members are in another country or somewhere else. Yeah. And in that situation, the family support becomes friends um, in a lot of those situations. Yeah. It's who you meet within that autism community who become like family to you, who are there when you need somebody to talk to or who are there to, to offer support. Um, so I think it's important for us as professionals when we work with families um, who are of different cultures or who have family far away to recognize that, that they may feel very isolated and to try to connect them with a community of autism of people who can, can be substitute families, so to speak, um, and provide that support. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, one, one kind of closing, wrapping up question for you is, you know, I think your son is now 30 years old and, and you've kind of seen this from so many different perspectives as a parent, as a professional, as a, as a support to other parents. You know, is, is there any advice you would give to a parent who maybe is listening today who is just starting this process, just got the diagnosis and is kind of at the beginning of this uh, process or journey that we've been talking about? Well, I think what I would tell a new parent today, um, if I was sitting in front of a parent right now, I would first of all probably remind them to take a breath and try not to do everything right now, that there is time that we can relax and and enjoy our children and not try to work with them all the time. Um, I wish I had done more of that. Um, I was guilty of trying to do too much too quickly. Um, And that our kids are lifelong learners, and there's no way that we can predict if our child is three what their life will be like when they're 23. So what I always recommend to parents is to just Find your community of support, whether it's family, friends, professionals, people you can go to for advice. Take it day by day. Don't try to overdo um, what you're trying to do for your child because the future will surprise you. My son um, graduated from college and lives in his own apartment, and I never at the age of two when he was diagnosed would have predicted that those doors would have opened to him. So. I, I think it's important for us not to worry too much about the future and focus on today yeah. and and try to enjoy our child and enjoy all the wonderful things they add to our lives. That's awesome. Um, and thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I know, you know, we've talked a lot about um, your most recent book, but I know you've got a few other books out there and, and you have some other resources available. Um, you know, if any of our listeners want to um, find out more about the resources you have, the information you provide, or, or to uh, purchase one of your books, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, the, probably the best thing to do is to go to my website, which is www.annpalmerautism.com, and that's A-N-N-P-A-L-M-E-R-A-U-T-I-S-M.com. 
and all my books are listed there and, and different topics that I speak on and, and so that and people can also email me through my website if they have further questions. That's great. Thank you so much for being with us today and and uh I, I think the timing, as I said at the top of the show, was perfect. Uh you know, Fourth of July is all about the big family for me. So uh I'm glad we got to talk about, you know, the the extended family on uh right around this holiday. Well, thank you, Robin. Thank you for all that you're doing to support families. Thank you so much. A uh, couple minutes left here, everybody. Um, you know, I, I really think that the biggest thing I'm taking away from today in, in our show, uh, and, and this is probably more personal for me, is something answered at the top of the show where she was saying it's, you know, I came into this thinking extended family. And she made such a great point at the beginning to say this is more than just the extended family. This applies to friends as well. And, you know, some of the statistics she shared with us, I think, are just really, they're really important. And, you know, you guys out there listening probably know them better than I do. But it's, I think they're really important for our community, not just parents, but for family members and friends. It's to know that there's, these strains and there's the potential for these strains and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, we didn't even talk today about the strains that come in within um, a marriage as a result of all of these different dynamics and the different stresses of having a, a child on the spectrum. And, you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show. We've had, you know, folks like Judy Mark and Dana Weber, parents who, have really experienced um, a lot of different things and, and they've talked about it and it, it, all of these things are important for us, but I, I really love the idea of not losing sight of the friendships. And again, I think Anne did a great job of, of summing it up, at least for me of, you know, if you have family living really far away, friends oftentimes become your extended family. And, and I know I, I have that where, I, most of my family, uh, or at least my immediate family, it, you know, they're all back in New York, and I'm three thousand miles away. And I have a couple of friends who I turn to, who you know, they're they're as good as family to me. You know, they're they're brothers and they're sisters, and and they're that type of closeness to me, where I could count on them and depend on them. And um, you know, so not getting stuck in that label of you know family. And I just really love that and that how all of this advice can be something that I can use not only with my nieces and nephews and cousins and, and whomever, but God forbid my friend's child who is, is going to be giving birth to uh, her first uh, uh, child. We're not sure about the sex yet in, in, in a couple of weeks and, and maybe the next friend and so on. And just just to have that support and the type of support and the way I can provide support um, is just is really special and it's really nice to know. Um, I've got a minute left. I know I mentioned Dana. I know I mentioned Judy. Um, in case you're curious, I want to go back to what specifically those two great parents said. Uh, both of their shows are available on uh, autismtherapies.com. Dana's show was on January 22nd. Judy's was on April 10th of 2012, going quite a ways back. Um, final thing, next week we are going to have our mailbag show. I've been talking it up. I've been asking for questions. You guys have been providing them. 
So we're going to have that show next week. So it will be a lot of me talking, but answering all the different questions you guys have been posting on Facebook as well as sending to more info at autismtherapies.com. So if you want to sneak some last minute ones in, please do so. Uh, with that said, happy 4th of July. Have a fabulous week. I hope all of you get to spend a lot of good quality time with your family, uh, just like I plan to with mine. Take care, everybody. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.